everyone. This is Yvette Hampton. Welcome back to the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. I'm back with my friend, Tim Barton, and we are talking about education and culture and families and how we can be involved with our kids in this culture war um, in which we are engaging. Because whether you want to engage in it or not, you are. <laughs> you are part of it because uh, we kind of don't have a choice. And so we, we get to choose what side we want to be on. And as I've said, oftentimes on the podcast, Team Jesus wins in the end. We have the Word of God that tells us that, and we get to choose to be on Team Jesus. This is not like the elementary school playground where, you know, the super cool team captain gets to choose their teams, and you're like, pick me, pick me, pick me. No, no, no. We are in a war that we get to choose the winning side, already knowing who wins. And so choose Team Jesus, but (laughs) we have to be armored up in order to um, fight this war, Not, not because God needs us, uh, but because God chooses to use us um, to fight this war alongside of him. So um, anyway, we're going to get back into this conversation. But before we do, I want to say thank you again to our sponsor, CTC Math. If you guys are looking for a great online math program, go to ctcmath.com. Try them out for free. Summertime is a great time to do that because you've got time. Allow your kids to try just a few trial lessons and see if it's a good fit for them. And maybe that is what you need for the next school year. Because if you're like me and you don't enjoy teaching math, let CTC Math teach it for you. Uh, CTCMath.com. Well, Tim, welcome back to the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. This has been such a great conversation. And I'm always just in awe of of hearing you speak. Um, I've gotten to hear you speak in person and been with you on the podcast and heard heard you speak, you know, lots of other places as well. And uh, the Lord has really gifted you with wisdom and discernment and knowledge. And so I love that you're using what the, the Lord has given you to impact others and to help educate people on what's what's going on and what do we do about this. Talk about the 1619 Project, because I know this is something that you have um involved yourself deeply with. I know that you're very familiar with with what's going on. And I want you to start out talking to the person who knows absolutely nothing at all about what the 1619 Project is. What is it? Why does it matter? And what's happening with it? So this is this is a very important topic. I, earlier in the week, we talked about uh, we want to be intentional with our kids and helping them know not just what is true, but why it is true. Because e- even if we're not worried about them being misled, that they might need to help navigate for their friends and, and maybe some of their friends who go to public school or, or, or they've heard some of these things. They they will need to know how, how do we help answer this. One of the things that the, the Bible even admonishes is we need to be ready to give an account for everyone who asks, "What is the hope that is in us?" Well, that's part of the apologetics. We want to know the apologetics. Why do we believe what we believe? And part of that actually is important when it comes to American history. And and the reason it really does matter, and I'm going to set a little context, and I'm going to dive into the 1619 Project, but part of the context that matters is obviously we're living in an era where where truth itself is being questioned, and it's subjective— truth, subjective morality, that there's so much of this thought and this postmodern era of ideology. But the reason truth ultimately matters, we know that Jesus said— First of all, in John 14, 6, that he was the way, the truth, and the life. Truth is found in Jesus. It's found in God. It's found in God's word. Truth does exist. And why it matters big picture, Jesus said in, in John 8, 32 to the disciples, he said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. 
Truth brings freedom if we know truth, but we have to understand truth and then be able to communicate it, which for all of us who have had to teach things, there's a different level of understanding from you being able to do it to you being able to teach it. We want to help our kids know the truth well enough they can communicate this to help navigate their friends. The 1619 Project is one of the major things happening right now in public schools, happening around the nation. It was done back in 2019. The New York Times sponsored this initiative, and it was on the 400th anniversary of the 1619. And what they say, this is when the first African slaves arrived to America. Now, they make a lot of claims that almost all of them are historically inaccurate in this initiative. They try to show, incorrectly, but they show and they argue that America was built and birthed on the back of slavery. And they say, instead of 1776 being the founding of America, 1619 should be the founding of America, because that's when the first slaves arrived in America, and all of America was built on the back of slavery, and, and really all white people in America oppressed all black people in America. So all black people were victims, all white people were oppressors. And, and this is the way the narrative goes. Now, this also is very similar to critical race theory for those who maybe have paid attention. Uh, critical race theory is a Marxist ideology. It's built on the idea of critical theory. And critical theory, when Marx did this, it was much more of an economic theory. It was the idea that if people have money, the only reason they have money is because they stole from other people. And if you don't have money, the only reason you don't have money is because you were stolen from. And, and the whole idea of Marx is a, a class and power struggle. So you have the oppressor and you have the oppressed. And, and there's only two categories. So you are always either in the category of the oppressor or the category of the oppressed. Well, well this Marxist ideology was initially promoted in America early 1900s. It was never embraced in America because in America, there's too much fluidity in the market. Everyone, every one of us right now involved in this conversation, everyone listening to this podcast, everyone, either you or your parents or your grandparents, only three generations, somebody in that was in dire poverty, right? Either we are, our parents were our grandparents, somebody came from crazy poverty. And yet, for, for most of us, we have seen our parents, our grandparents rise from that. Maybe, right, we're that generation that we're going to help our kids. We're going to set a new standard and tone. We're not going to live broke. We're going to have some financial freedom. But the reality is in America, you have the possibility, there's opportunity to rise above that. But this is the point. That's the reason that this idea never worked in America, because there was too much fluidity in people's ability to come out of poverty and, and to achieve some financial stability, to, to gain some wealth. And so the idea of critical theory never took root in America. But back in the 1960s and uh, Harvard, they said, well, what if we apply critical theory instead of in an economic sense, what if we applied it to race? And we look at the disparity of outcomes and, and races and, and we can say it's based on the law. Well, this is where critical theory first kind of was exposed to root in America. And now it's grown to the place critical race theory is literally being taught in public schools. And the way it's being taught is that all people who were were not white European Anglos. So whether you were Native American, whether you were Hispanic, whether you were Spanish, whether well, not always Hispanic even, because sometimes they're a little too white in this this kind of mantra of the way they're doing the comparison, the oppressor and oppressor. But if you're if you're a black American, if you're an African American, if you do not have white skin, then you fit in the oppressed category. And if you have white skin, you are in the oppressor category. Now, they don't care that for, for virtually all of these white people, none of them have had slaves, right? None of us had slaves. And 
arguably for many of us, not even our ancestors had slaves. Because if you go back in American history, there was an abolition movement and, and there were white people leading the abolition movement in America, but they don't care about that. They say, nope, if you have white skin, you're an oppressor. If you have dark skin, you've been oppressed. And kids are literally learning this. There's, there's so many news articles over the last couple of years of elementary school students coming home in, in tears to their parents. And the mom would say, what's wrong? And, and they would say, I, I, I was told at school that I'm bad because of the color of my skin. Or I was told at school that, that, that I've been oppressed because of the color of my skin. Literally, elementary kids are learning yeah. their value system based on the color of their skin. So instead of following the, the MLK standard of, right, where he, he had a dream. Remember the famous MLK speech, right. I have a dream. I have a dream that one day his, his daughters would not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. The 1619 Project and critical race theory go a diametrically opposite position of that. They say, we should judge people based on the color of their skin, not based on their lifestyle, their manners, their behavior. We should judge them based on the color of their skin. Well, the 1619 Project goes so far as to say that in the American Revolution, the founding fathers actually fought the revolution to protect and preserve the institution of slavery. Wow. Now, if you've never read the Declaration— there's 27 grievances, and nowhere in there does it say, the founding fathers say, we want to protect slavery, that's why we're fighting revolution. Right. That's not true. Nearly everything that is said in the 1619 Project is historically inaccurate, but this is literally what kids are learning, and this is why most kids, right now, if you talk to most high school students that have come from public school, they can tell you more bad things about America then they can't tell you anything good about America because they're being indoctrinated with America's evil and America's racist and America's awful. And this is the narrative they're hearing. This is part of the narrative of the 1619 Project. It's certainly the narrative of critical race theory. And right now, this has been adopted. Th those two things, 1619 Project, critical race theory, that's been adopted in thousands, literally thousands of public schools in America. So, and, and even the schools, because some states have said, we will not teach critical race theory. We, we will not have the 1619 Project in our schools. But there are woke teachers in these public schools who yeah. are saying, okay, I won't teach the 1619 Project. I'll call it something different, but they're teaching right. the same thing. Our kids are being taught to not only hate America, but to hate each other and to judge people based on the color of skin. There's a reason that we're seeing more racial tension in our nation than we saw 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. Yeah. This is being programmed into students, and we need to have the awareness that this is what kids in public school are learning because we need to help our kids be able to navigate and have these conversations when, when they have students tell them, well, we know that America is systemically evil because systemic oppression of white systemic slavery and systemic blah, 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 blah. Well, well is that true? And, and, and and how do we have that conversation? How do I help my friend who I love so much, but they're so misled and they believe this nonsense so strongly? How do I help guide them in truth? This is why it matters that as individuals, we are aware of what is happening in these public institutions, because this is what rising generations are going to believe. And we want to help our kids not only know what is true, have the apologetics for what is true, but be able to have wisdom and discernment and engage in conversation with their friends who are buying into this nonsense. Yeah, yeah. And it's filtering into the church as well. Not every church, of course, but, um, but you know, you see that coming into the churches and, and pastors who simply don't know they're speaking of these things, you know, from the pulpit and what a scary, scary place to be. Um, and so much of it is that they don't know God's word and they don't know the history of our nation. And so that, that's a crazy place to be as a nation. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. 
No parent should homeschool alone. You have a God-given calling to bring up your child to love God and to steward His creation. And BJU Press exists to help you be successful in that endeavor. Visit their website at bjupresshomeschool.com or call 1-800-845-5731 to connect with an experienced homeschool consultant. Apologia supports homeschool families with Christ-centered K-12 homeschool curriculum designed to engage your student as they experience the awe and wonder of creation and their creator. Designed by leading scholars with a biblical worldview, Apologia's award-winning curriculum is written in a conversational tone directly to the student to encourage independence. Hands-on activities and experiments help students solidify the concepts they're exploring and build a lifelong love of learning. Visit us at Apologia.com. We are back with Tim. Before the break, we were talking about um, critical race theory, which you know most people call CRT, um, and the 1619 Project, which, as you said, um, oftentimes it's being called something different and because that's what Satan does, right? He disguises truth. He disguises things. And so he will disguise that it's actually called the 1619 Project. So parents will say, oh, it's not in my school, right? That's not being taught here. We have a good public school that our kids go to, and my kids' teachers are Christians. And so it's fine and it's safe for them to go there because they're not teaching that. And and really, in reality, they probably are teaching that. You just don't know that they're teaching that because you're not in the classroom with them. But these things, I talked about how they're they're filtering into the church. But what we're seeing happen a lot of times with a lot of things is that it's also filtering into the homeschool community. And, yeah. the, and we've talked about this before in the podcast, the homeschool community is changing in a big way, especially since COVID, because so many people brought their kids home from COVID uh, for COVID. And it used to be that homeschool parents were running to something. And now it's homeschool parents for a, a large majority of them, they're running from something, but they don't know what they're running to. And so there are a ton of homeschool families now who don't really know exactly what it is that they're supposed to be doing. What direction are they supposed to go? And so they'll just take any curriculum. They'll take right. anything that's thrown at them. A lot of it is government funded. Um, a lot of it is government published, you know, um, and supported. And they're saying, oh, we we get this free curriculum, all this stuff. Talk about that is, is are you seeing this filter into the homeschool world as well? Yeah, and unfortunately we are. We're, we're seeing uh, some Christian school curriculum uh, that, that often many homeschoolers use uh, that is, is is beginning to use the language of the left and beginning to promote some of the same narrative. And, and to be very clear, right, as we have this conversation, this, this is not to say that America did not participate in the great evil of human slavery and bondage. Right. Yeah. Of course, right? We're, we're not denying the reality, but we're saying that a lot of the way it's presented is being dishonest in the way it's presented. And, and sure. something that that certainly, for all of us as Christians, we want to make sure that we have a biblical perspective in all that we do. That the, what, the way we analyze things should always be through a biblical lens. It's part of the notion right. of having a biblical worldview. And for those of us that have a biblical lens, our starting place is that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Right. right. So our starting place is that everybody is jacked up and they need Jesus. That's where we start. <laughs> but if, if you read even some of the heroes of the Old Testament, King David was called a man after God's own heart. Yep. And he was jacked up. <laughs> right. 
The dude that was a man after God's own heart, obviously, he had some great moments, right? Yeah. When he killed Goliath, I mean, great moments. He writes the majority of the book of Psalms. Incredible. He's a heart for God, a heart for worship. But but this is the same guy that, right, has, has Amnon as a son. Amnon mm-hmm. is the one that raped his sister, and David did nothing. So much so that, that Absalom gets angry. And Absalom's like, my dad's not doing something. I'll take care of this. Absalom kills his brother, and David does nothing. The Bible tells us in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 6, it, it, it tells us about, about Adonijah. Because also remember, Absalom was the one who, when he finally says, my dad's ridiculous, he's terrible. Absalom set himself up at the city gates. He, he was going to be a judge. And then when he started to get some power and authority, people began to know him. He finally said, okay, I declare myself king. He led a violent revolution trying to overthrow his father. Now, he's Absalom's the one also who got his hair caught in a tree. David's men used him as javelin practice, and Absalom was done. Well, literally, the, like the story goes on, and just a, a chapter or two later, we are introduced to Adonijah. Adonijah, 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 6, it tells us that he began to set himself up to try to take the throne from his father, just like Absalom had done. And the Bible tells us in verse 6 that that. Absalom, excuse me, uh, that Adonijah was a son that David had never corrected. Mm. To, to be a parent and you've never corrected your child, you are a terrible parent. Right. Right. Because like the all of us who've had kids, my kids are still young. And so for me, it's not like, have you ever? It's like, how many times a day am I? Right. Because all the time, like, hey, don't touch that. Hey, put that down. Hey, come over here. Hey, we say this. We don't say that. Every day, all I'm doing is offering instruction and correction. This is our role as a parent. David was a terrible parent. On top of the fact, David is the one who has the affair with Bathsheba and then has Uriah assassinated, bumped off. David's an adulterer and a murderer. Like, how in the world? And this is important because we live in cancel culture where culture would tell us David should be canceled. He's a terrible person. And yet, every single church service, we are singing the Psalms of David, the murdering, adulterer, terrible father. How does that happen? Because as Christians, we should have the intellectual and spiritual maturity to recognize that when we're singing the Psalms of David, we're not celebrating the sins of David. Instead, we're recognizing that God anointed David to write something that was very significant. And and, and what we see as we study scripture in general is we see how a perfect God used imperfect people and did great things through them. And it's not to discount the fact they might've done evil, but it's, it's also doesn't invalidate that God used them for something special and significant. This is the story of America. And we live in a culture today that says, whoa, whoa, America did something evil, invalidated, right? We should never celebrate. Wait a second. The American story is not simply defined by a bad moment. Instead, and, and this is where there's such a disconnect. And, and what, where the 1619 Project, Kirkwood's theory, where they are very dishonest about this, is they don't tell the whole story. I, I grew up, and maybe some people listening, you might remember this. I grew up listening to Paul Harvey. Paul Harvey, right, famous radio commentator, and he had a segment called The Rest of the Story. And, and Paul Harvey would always, he would tell you the beginning of a story and kind of set the hook. So you're like, man, what happened? I want to know. And then he would say, and now the rest of the story. What we are getting in, in the modern example of education, we're only getting part of the story, and the part we're getting often is dishonest and not correct. The rest of the story, if you look at slavery, for example, in America, America, when we separate from Great Britain, actually the, the original draft of the Declaration, the longest grievance of the original draft was a grievance against the slave trade and against slavery. Th- this had to be unanimous by the original colonies, and there were two colonies that were against that grievance. It was not included in the final draft. But the majority of colonies in America at that time were against slavery and against the slave trade. When we separated from Great Britain, every single Northern colony, starting in 1776, every single Northern colony began drafting legislation and passing anti-slavery laws. By 1804, every single Northern 
colony had already passed laws for the abolition of slavery. In 1807, Thomas Jefferson, the very first ever, first ever in the history of the world, Thomas Jefferson signed the first ever ban on the slave trade, March 2nd, 1807. England signed their ban on the slave trade, March 25th, 1807. We were three weeks before England, and people might argue, well, but America's didn't take effect till January 1st, 1809, or excuse me, 1808, so really, we were, we were the second nation. Now, even saying we're the second nation, that's still impressive to get the silver medal, but I'm going to argue, really, we were still the first because when England signed their law to go into effect, part of the law said there's a provision for those ships that already have contracts, they have one year from that date to fulfill their contracts. So America signed our law first, and when it's a full effect January 1st that year, England's law didn't go to full effect till March 25th of 1808. We signed the law first, and we actually ended the slave trade before anywhere else in the world. Now, we didn't end slavery until 1865, and that was with the 13th Amendment of December of 1865. England ended slavery in 1833, so they did beat us in ending slavery for their whole nation, although arguably they still had nations around the world where slavery was not ended, that they were part of the British Empire. However, England ended slavery in 1833, then France, then Denmark. America was the fourth nation of the world in slavery. And, and there was more than 128 nations of the world at that time. We were the fourth of those nations. So we're still at the front edge of nations ending slavery. But what's more significant in America is slavery was ended at the end of the Civil War where white people fought a war against other white people. And at the end, they freed all the black people and more than 600,000 individuals died in the Civil War. And then if you bring it to present, America does more today than virtually any nation anywhere in the world to fight human trafficking and human slavery today. Mm -hmm. The reason this matters is we started before anybody else. We paid a higher price in ending slavery than anybody else. And we do more today than anybody else to oppose the slave trade and slavery today. America has one of the most impressive anti-slavery records in the history of the world. And yet most people who are learning about slavery in America, they're learning America was uniquely evil because of slavery. No, America did what every other nation in the world was doing, which was evil, not discounting. It was evil, but we did the same evil everybody else did. Where America was unique is we're the ones that took a public stand against that evil before anywhere else in the world. We're the ones that set the tone, that set the precedent for ending that evil before anybody else in the world was doing it. Our founding fathers, when they wrote in the Declaration, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. That was the first governing document anywhere in the history of the world to claim equality where there wasn't classes, there, there wasn't a king and lords and nobles in this parliament. No, no, we said we're all equal under God. This is where America is so unique. It's not that America didn't have sins, but it's like King David. Right. King David had some amazing moments writing the Psalms, killing Goliath, but then he had some bad moments too. That's human nature and history, but it shouldn't discount the fact that we can celebrate David was a man after God's own heart. It shouldn't discount the fact that we can celebrate America's been used to do more good for humanity, to bring more equality, more freedom, more prosperity to the world than anywhere else, any other nation in the history of the world. But this is not part of the narrative we're hearing. And this is part of where what we want to do in raising our kids is we want to equip them with truth. We want to give them the apologetic of why it's true and then encourage them to have the courage to have conversations with their friends, to help guide their friends in truth because their friends are looking for truth. They just yeah. don't know where to find it. And what they're hearing in their schools is an attack on the reality of truth. We want to help equip our kids to know truth, to have the courage and confidence to speak the truth in love so we can reclaim part of culture. Yeah, yeah, love it. Um, the last time you were on the podcast, we talked about uh, your book and it's been out for a couple of years now. Um, very quickly talk about what, what you're, I mean, you you just gave a an outline of the book basically, but what's the title of the book and um, how, how can this 
work for homeschool families. We have a, a, a resource that deals with some of this called The American Story. Uh, it's really a, a biographical storybook. It's, it's a great resource for a history class. It starts with Columbus, goes to the ending of slavery in America. And we try to tell an honest story, kind of like the Bible and King David, where we, we tell some good, bad, and ugly, but we show yeah. how God used these individuals for advancing freedom and equality how they were doing things before anywhere else. And we just give an honest story. There's a thousand footnotes in it. So for people that want to do more research, they want to dive deeper, they can go to those original sources. They can actually see where these quotes, where these stories came from. We have links to stuff even on our website. There's so many articles. And we actually have a second volume, volume two coming out oh. probably in a couple of months. That will be the next portion of the story. But for people who want to know more, a lot of this, we have free articles on our website. Uh, and then our book, The American Stories on our website is also on Amazon. So whatever is the easiest place people to get it. But this is something we want to make sure that our kids know truth, are equipped to, to handle the accusations coming against America. America's not perfect, but she's also not guilty of most of the sins she's being accused of. And we want to help our kids know that truth and be able to defend that truth. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. And of course, we'll put links to those in the show notes so you guys can easily find them. What, Tim, is one last piece of encouragement that you would give to our audience? That we want to be pursuers of truth. Uh, when, when, when you look at Acts 17, the Apostle Paul was sharing the, the gospel of Jesus, right, with the Bereans. And there was no New Testament because he hadn't written the majority of it yet. And so he's, right, arguably, he's, he's telling them the prophecies of the Old Testament. He's saying, guys, right, we, we know Isaiah prophesied this. And the Bereans were like, wait a second, we don't trust you. We're going to look it up. And they would look it up and be like, oh, he's correct. You may continue, Paul, right? And Paul goes on. He's like, well, we know Joel prophesied. And they're like, wait a second somebody get the scroll of Joel and they bring it out. Oh, okay. They would not let Paul continue until they had confirmed what he said was true. And, and Paul actually praises them saying, man, these guys are amazing. That They're not gonna be misled because they pursue truth. We wanna be pursuers of truth. We gotta stop just listening to what somebody says. Stop just, just saying, well, we, right, we saw it online. We saw this article. Well, it was even in our textbook. We should start asking questions, be pursuers of truth so that we will not be misled. And why it matters is because when you know the truth, the truth makes you free. Be pursuers of truth. Amen. And that means be pursuers of God's word. Um, so thank you so much, Tim. This has been such a fun week. I've loved talking with you. Um, again, you guys can find out more about Tim by going to wallbuilders.com. We'll put links to everything Tim Barton in the show notes. Um, you are such a blessing, Tim. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for, for being on the front lines of this battle and helping to equip and train others of us um, who are on these, these front lines with you. Um, every parent is, whether you like it or not. And uh, again, we're all on Team Jesus, um, if you choose to be. And uh, he's going to help us with this. He is going to be, he is the fourth that is with us. <laughs> he is the leader of all of us. So, uh, so thank you again for being with us. If you guys have not left a review for the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast, would you please do that? Just take a minute out of your day, go to whatever app you're using, leave a review for the podcast. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, would you like and subscribe to this channel and share it with your friends? Stick around till the end of the show for a preview of what's coming next on the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. What we do at IEW is break through the, the noise of the grammar and the writing prompts, and we say, this is what you do, step by step. And I've witnessed it over and over again, both watching Andrew teach and hearing from parents, this is the best writing program. We've made it so easy and made it really affordable. So any mom can teach writing to their children using our course, and we guarantee it. To try three weeks of free lessons, visit IEW.com rocked.
don't feel like you have to do what the public school does. Yeah. Every time you start to do something, ask yourself, why am I choosing to do it this way? Is it because that's what you only knew from public school or is it because you think this is right for your kids? We've been homeschooling for 23 years, so my kids are very spread out, had a lot of time to change tactics and try new things. Yeah. And this copy work, reading and copy work have been the thing that works for all of the kids that I tried. Mm. And so there's something about using whole sentences with words that matter to the sentence and, you know, fit the story. They just work.